0: Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, com BacksideGroundBalls. Powered by Riverside. Welcome back to episode one eleven of the Backside Ground Balls Podcast super 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 excited to be back here on the pod my name is trevor powers and i'm joined by my co-host dan galati dan welcome back we're knocking off a little bit of rust from the both of us it's going to be a little choppy here we're going to hang out on a sunday morning here and record this podcast but how are we doing good it's monday morning um
1: (laughs) shoot (laughs) <laughs> i'm doing good yeah excited for this podcast i think we're off to a better start already considering the last time we sat here you did not say you were excited for the podcast so
0: Eight i was being steps. honest you know at the, at the end of the day i uh, nobody can nobody can fault me for not being honest
1: yeah and if nothing else just be you know honest all the time and and you know you're off to a good start of, of being a good person i think so um It's good. I'm excited. I'm very excited to be back, talk some baseball. I feel like I would, you know, I don't know. I went on vacation and I kind of checked out a little bit. So uh, I've been trying to play a little bit, catch up the last couple of days here uh, and figure out what's been happening in the baseball world.
0: Well, this this time of year is a very weird time, at least for for us that that do enjoy and dabble in some other sports outside of baseball. Is it's that time frame before the most important baseball hits. So you're not exactly dialed in and you're focused on what's going on week to week in college football, you know, getting your weekend slate ready and things like that. So it's completely understandable. I feel like last year during the month of September, we were absolutely drawing for straws in terms of (laughs) what we were going to talk about. It was like, but then you get close to the playoff picture and you find something to talk about. So you know that that's kind of where our heads are at here is is the both of us haven't exactly been as engaged with major league baseball as we typically are on a week-to-week basis it's been about the other sports and and you've enjoyed your vacation but why don't you tell our listeners how was your vacation did you get to get some sun did you get a nice little base tan going how, how was that <laughs> yeah well it's august so i'd like to think i had a little bit of a tan uh i don't sit inside all
1: the time, but. um it was good. It's nice to get away. It was good to see some family. Um, it was nice to be at the beach for an extended period of time. Had a couple bad weather days, which sucked, but all in all, it was good. It was a really good time. It was fun. Um, and I'm, I am happy to be home. Luckily enough, like I'm in a place where I like where I live. So it's always, you know, leaving vacation isn't as hard as it used to be. It's nice to get home and get back in the routine. It, it's great vacation planning by my sister uh, who put it all together to have vacation in the Friday of Labor Day weekend. So we all get home. So I have a three day weekend at home. That was I'm much appreciated to her. Um, I would shout her out, but we're not going to act like she listens to this. Uh, <laughs> so She'll never know. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was great. It was a good time. And uh, I haven't been on like a vacation for that long, in a long time, at least not where like I'm going home to my parents' house or my in-laws
0: and like working from there. So it was cool. It's been, it's been good. That's good. That's good. And and it's good to hear because we all need vacations here and there, but I'm with you one on coming back here. It's still, there's still times where maybe it's because we're, we're young and, and we have young significant others and we don't have kids to worry about, but like Sometimes my weekends feel like just a vacation in general. There's so much to do at certain times. The weather's phenomenal. Like, it doesn't ever feel like I'm not – like, I'm like, oh, I'm dreading going home from a vacation. It's like, no, like, if anything, for for my vacation that I was able to get where we went home, like, that was like, no, get me home. Like, I want to go go back up. Yeah, like, I'm trying not to – to sit there and, and just want to leave as early as possible <laughs> from visiting family and, and friends up in the northeast. So I'm with you. But the three day weekend coming back to work, I mean it's probably gonna make that work day hit hard tomorrow. Oh, there's no doubt about that. But be terrible. being able to like like there's nothing worse than getting in late on a Sunday. Oh, uh-huh, and then you have to go to work. A vacation. The next day. You coasted, and then next thing you know, you're at work the next day. Like there is nothing like I would drive for at from 8 p.m till 8 a.m sat saturday into sunday before i even think about (laughs) getting in that late on a sunday because i hate that turnaround
1: yeah you need a buffer day at least a full buffer day and i'm with you like to get the, the two sleeps before you have to go back to work back in your own house is like huge like i'd rather leave like yeah i'd rather be home like saturday night for example, and like have a sleep Saturday night, like late Saturday night and then have all day Sunday where you wake up in your house and like you can have a whole day and then get like kind of readjusted. But yeah, the three day weekend has been great. It's going to be terrible. And this time of year, I'm still not used to it. I think because last year I I said this to you, I think me and you had this conversation, but it was like last year we had moved. So like everything was crazy this time of year, but my whole life for so long was built around the school calendar that like I'm sitting here on Labor Day, like, feeling like I have to go to you know practice or meetings or something tomorrow and I'm like not quite used to like oh like summer's over like my weekends are gonna go away and I was like oh no no I still get them <laughs> it's like yeah that's right I'm not I'm not going back to practice or anything like it's not school's not starting like I'm not there yet um anymore it's I'm not used to it quite yet this is year two and I'm still like feeling weird today like all morning I've been like how oh, man, like summer's over. Like we can't do this. And I was like, wait, I can do whatever I want on the weekends. What am I talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially being down here as well. Like I, I always say, cause we, this was where our conversation was is last year I was working at UPS during the fall and it was something where like, I was so busy every, you know, every day really, but every Saturday that I didn't register until Thanksgiving week. When it was 70 degrees outside and I was like – and it's – you know how like every month, at least in the northeast from – because we've lived there our whole life. Every month has a feel to it, right? Yeah. And every time – like you know what September feels like. You know what October feels like. Right when you walk out, like if I came out of a coma and I was in Bear, Delaware again and it was like five years down the road, I could walk outside and I'd probably get pretty close to guess like the month just by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember being outside and it was like one of my few off days at that point in time. And it was Thanksgiving week. And I remember being like, it feels like fall practice. Like first yeah. week of fall practice, like September 15th was like my guest. And it was like late November. And I was like, <sighs> this is amazing. And now this year we're actually going to be able to appreciate that, that weather of this time of year and be able to actually enjoy the fact that, Hey, shoot, like, come November, me and you could still be kicking it, golfing, going to the farmer's market, doing outdoor activities. Sure. It's a little frosty in the morning and a little cold at night, but you know, you take those, those negatives with the positives that you're getting when it's peak, you know, peak of part of the day, 75, 76, 80 degrees.
1: Yeah. I think the moving down here coinciding with global warming really taken off and are like, planet completely changing as far as weather goes it was like perfect because like it's
0: not yeah i hate to celebrate
1: celebrated. something like that huh? i know you do <laughs> you do hate to celebrate it but like the fact that like i remember like last september it was like you know i think we went to a we went to a football game it's probably like four weeks in the season so probably the first weekend of october end of september and it was like 95 degrees And it was like, this still feels like July and August. Like the humidity isn't quite there. And like you said, the mornings and the nights change. Like the only big difference is like, it took me till I said this to you, like, because you go on vacation, you just lose all track of like where you are in the year. And uh, we got home Friday night and like I looked up and it was like eight o'clock and it was dark out. I was like, oh yeah, like it's September. Like it's not, (laughs) it's not June anymore. Cause like this whole summer has just felt like the longest month of June ever, which
0: I'm not complaining. Yeah. No doubt and even like it's been a little chilly this weekend but we were talking last night um, and I had said it and, and Sarah had had completely agreed. I was on the treadmill at the gym just like just taking my cardio day and I looked outside and I just smiled because it was like A, I didn't have to go to work today on this fine Monday morning but B, it was just like the weather was so nice like just like wasn't a cloud in the sky like it's just like perfect Like like you go outside and you sit outside for like five hours, right? Like we we got rocking chairs on our front porch. Like you can go out there and you can just sit and it doesn't bother you. Like you're not sweating. You're not drenched in sweat. Yesterday was a little warmer. Saturday was a little better for things like that. But like, it was just like, draw up a perfect day for me. To just like not stress about anything, and it was like that's it. I was running on the treadmill. Rutgers Northwestern on CBS on on the TV. I got the Cover Three podcast, getting my uh, week one reactions in my ears. I'm like, this is just bliss, right? Like this is phenomenal. Like I can't complain. The only thing that would be better is like walking nine holes, playing eighteen holes, and then following it up with with sitting on the front porch on a rocking chair, like knowing that I had nothing to do the next day. Like cannot beat it.
1: No, yeah, it's nice. But we've
0: done about five minutes on the weather. We we're gonna lose everybody <laughs>
1: if we well, get too too deep into that.
0: <laughs> we're pulling we're pulling a typical Bryce Harper and we're pandering to keep our listeners engaged and trying to not show the fact that we might not be up to date with the baseball hash, sure. which is which is fair. So, we're just trying to fill some time, get back into the podcast groove here. So, if we get five listeners on this episode because they say listen to these bozos talking about the weather, sorry, sorry to you, but the content's out there. That's all yeah, that matters. Exactly. It's about pushing content. You guys know we're going to have fun fun guests. We know we're going to have fun topics to talk about over the next couple of weeks. But we got to get back into the groove, too. We missed a whole full week. We're a little rusty here. But, Dan, let me ask you this. Are you planning on going to any sporting events this fall? Oh, for sure. It's college football season. Do you know where you should go for those sporting events?
1: <sighs> SeatGeek would be the only place I would ever imagine turning.
0: Yeah, why would you go anywhere else? SeatGeek is a mobile ticketing app that allows users to buy and sell tickets to sports games, concerts, and other live events. SeatGeek would like to give our listeners $20 off their first purchase. All you have to do is head over to SeatGeek.com and use our promo code, BacksideGroundBall, to get $20 off your first purchase. That's SeatGeek.com. Promo code backside ground ball to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. So Dan, I'm not going to derail this in anymore. I'm going to give you your moment. We did it last fall. We were taking a moment here and there. What's your initial thoughts? We still have one pretty big game from week one of college football, but how are we feeling about? college football week one we had week zero last week where's our head at doesn't have to be dog specific they played ut martin they did what they're supposed to do to a team like that but the, the lay of the landscape i'm going to give you your five to ten minutes that you wanted when you, we originally started a col- a podcast you're like let's do college football here's your moment ah it's just
1: it's, it's sad uh college football um is over already we we played one week. We've all seen enough. Colorado, Deion Sanders did the improbable. It went from one and eleven to national champions. Uh Joel Klatt, I think is going to be the uh, he's going to be on the first float for those of you in Boulder who are going to the championship parade. Joel Clatt will be on that first float for you guys. Um, so we all remember uh, great Colorado quarterback. No, it's it's good. Um, it's just like everything's. I'm a little bit uh, bitter this morning, to be honest with you, because I feel like. You know, all good things come to an end, and as Josh Pate, who's probably one of the best people in media, always says, um, "You know, college football is a great sport run by average people." And like you go on social media, can, and- can I get here
0: before we get too deep? Because I, I had something that I wanted to say. Our, our our good friend, not really necessarily our true friend, but our our emotional friend, Josh Pate because you were talking about week one stuff wise men make observations in week one while foolish men draw conclusions that said by the great meme all for anybody who's a subscriber and you should be a subscriber to late kick with Josh Pate on YouTube head over to there maybe we'll clip that and get Dan and I a chalice of supremacy but um, <laughs> that is what I wanted to get in there but continue uh, that was another great quote that he likes to use but I had to get that that me quote in there of, of you talking about week one uh, you know making evaluations
1: it's so true though like you can't like that's such it's so well said like just observe like that there's just too much overreaction in the age of social media and like i continue to complain about this and all the time with every walk of life but it's like you go on social media you if you if you're crazy like me and trevor you go on the message boards and you read this stuff and it's like one week of football was played. Let's everyone pump the brakes. And like, you know, people like RG three going on Twitter, like talking about Colorado and how they beat the you know, TCU, who was the national runner up. TCU returned three starters all on the defensive side of the football, I think, is is the number. Like, okay, it was like not to take away from what Colorado did. They're much better than I thought they were gonna be just because you know, they had to like team won a one game last year. Like there was so much turnover. That's not an easy job. Like I thought it was gonna like let's I thought it was gonna take him some time and I thought I was gonna have to be on here defending him throughout the season. Like everyone needs to relax. He's Dion's not a failure. Like Colorado was terrible, but like they won one game. It's one week. They beat TCU in a shootout, like they played great, but like everyone relax. Like the LSU, like LSU loses to Florida State and everyone's going nuts this morning. Well, it's like LSU could probably still go ten and 2, 11 and one. They lost to Florida State. They last did it year last in the SEC year. ACC championship yes, game. Like, relax, like, relax. Florida State beat LSU last year didn't win the ACC. Like it doesn't. Ugh. Like just take. Like what am I sitting here saying? Keon Coleman's really good. They have weapons at Florida State, and I. It's great. I'm happy college Football's back. My biggest gripe though is that I. We sped up the game to add more commercials. And I know people are like, well, they haven't added more. Com-. Yes, they have. Like, sorry, they kept the commercials the same, but the game's shorter. They haven't added more commercials. And Chip Kelly was very upset at halftime, which I really appreciated. Um, I think he even said to the sideline reporter, I hope you guys are selling a lot of ads or something like that. It's it, That's frustrating because it, it messes with the point totals and it messes with the number of possessions teams get. It's going to, like... Those late games – like, why is college football so incredible? Part of it is like – there's a lot of reasons, but part of it is the fact that you get all these comebacks late in games, and I think that's going to be – you're not going to get them when the clock's not stopping after first down with five, six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and you're in a hurry up because you're chasing 17 points. That's not going to happen. It's going to be nearly impossible to come back from that now. It's going to be a lot easier for teams to run out the clock because in the past – they were running the ball, and they were doing it effectively to, to milk a lead. The clock would stop after first down, so they couldn't take up too much. Six minutes left, if you're up 17, you could pretty much ice the game now like the NFL. I hate that we've taken something that was different than the Sunday league, and we continue to try and push it and make it more like the Sunday league. I don't want that. That I, don't, I watch college football. I like it better than the Sunday league. I don't follow that league as much for a reason. It's, it was a different product. Now we're going to have a million teams in the playoffs, just like in there. You know, we're gonna, probably going to get to a point where we're resting starters at the end of the year in college football, just like they do in that league. The games yeah. are going to be the same because we're going to just run the clock all the time. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It sucks. I'm very disappointed about that. Um, it also is, you know, Vegas hasn't adjusted. So a lot of the totals were are a little out of whack. Still, the game totals, although you gave me some evidence last night, it made me feel better that maybe I was just on the bad side of a lot of those. But, you know, the it's frustrating. I I got to adapt here. Um, but it's the, you know, I'll continue to love it and watch it nonstop because it's a great sport and it's one of my favorites, but it's, I'm a little bit, uh, upset today. Not going to lie.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. You said a lot of things. One, I feel like a year from today or a year ago from today, I was reading the same exact tweets about Brian Kelly being a failure at LSU, and then he went on and, and won the SEC West and ended up in the SEC Championship. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I'm, I'm a lot more impressed with, with Alabama than, than I think the public is. I think they're going to be really good and, and pushed, obviously, LSU. Um, with the plays, I think one thing that makes college so unique um, it's definitely – if they change the hash marks, I'd start to get really pissed. Oh. Um, Shrinking the field up and not allowing teams to do that. But I will say offensive coordinators that are going to be down, they're just going to have to play to the sidelines and get out of bounds. Like, Which, which makes is, it which is so much doable. easier yeah. for
1: defenses to sit – like now you, S- you sit can sit and, on yeah. that stuff. Before mm-hmm. you had to continue to guard all 53
0: across because yeah. it was open if they got a first down the clock stop. Yeah. Exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how that how offensive coordinators adjust. I will say the one thing and as you talk that it opens up for we've talked about with this kind of in the MLB this year is it kind of is there's going to be more upsets at least in my opinion because if a team can run the ball and effectively run the ball and take possessions away from a team. Maybe you don't see it as much because the, the Bulldogs are a little bit more physically gifted, but I've seen it when, when Penn State lost to Illinois two years back, and, and all Illinois did was limit Penn State's offensive possessions. Your offense doesn't get into a groove. Boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, big-time upset, right? And like that's one of the things that some offenses have athletes that can outperform getting in a groove, right? When you have a guy who can get loose, a running back can get loose, a, a quarterback who can hit a 70-yard strike and at any moment. But I will say there are some opportunities if a team can just effectively run the ball and limit, you know, like Chip Kelly said, "Hey, we got four offensive possessions in that half." Now, what he didn't mention was the fact that Coastal Carolina ran seventy plays against his defense, so like <laughs> they did a really good job of keep, keeping your defense, your offense. Off I wasn't going to mention that <laughs> exactly. It's it's one of those things where it does open up that opportunity if a Coastal Carolina can effectively run the ball and keep. UCLA's offense off the field we're going to be in the fourth quarter there's going to be a tight game and if you know Coastal Carolina ain't got nothing to play for compared to a UCLA team who wants to win a Pac-12 championship and keep compete for a college football playoff you start to press quarterback skips a couple throws in there overthrows a couple outs next thing you know Coastal Carolina storming storming the field right like that's that could be how it goes I I'll be interested to see if it actually comes to fruition but if they can shorten the like if these underdogs can shorten the game and just run the clock down these big teams might not be able to strike quick enough I think it's going to be the shorter upsets though you know because like you said like
1: you know maybe teams like that are built like USC a little bit although they're getting better at it who aren't as physically gifted up front but like typically one of the reasons you're a huge underdog in football is because you're not as physically gifted up front and, like, so those teams – like, yeah, go it, ahead and try and run the ball up. It, and like, it'll be like a – Like, Illinois be like upsetting like Penn State 10. isn't that big of a – Right. Like, it's within yeah, it's conference. A, it's a bottom-of-the-barrel
0: Big Ten team beating a – like, like we could – it would probably never happen you, in these scenarios with, like – But, like, even on the opposite end, a team like Michigan who J.J. McCarthy last year struggled to throw out of anything except play action, if they're down 17 to a team. True. True. It, that opens up. That's a. Yeah, they a can't way run the ball. They're gonna have to go yep. deep, and and play action's not gonna work because they're gonna be like, w- you're really gonna f- try to run a play action when you're down seventeen. Like we're not bluff bluffing with that. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be interesting. I think. I think in college, these offensive coordinators are more well-equipped to adjust and be creative yes. than an NFL coordinator is. I think because, again, the Jimmys and Joes make so much of a difference at that level compared to the college game where it's like you have to scheme guys open. And, and if you can't scheme ways to, to stop the clock right at the end of the day, like I'm sure these guys, I'm sure every offensive quarter, I'm sure Mike Bobo, Mike Yersich, and everybody across the country has a 25 plays for down 10 late in the game. Like, I guarantee they already have a playbook for, like, oh, what for are we sure. going to do when we're down 10 late in the game? Like, how can we find ways to stop the clock? Do we start to see teams freaking who get a deep shot first down, 20 yards, hustle up, and spike it on first and 10? Like, who the heck knows what they're going to do? Like, just because the value of time, and if you know you're going to go through it, for it on fourth down, it's still three downs with, with 10 yards to go. It'll be, it'll be fascinating. But I think offensive coordinators at the college level are – are super creative at what they do. So I'll be interested to see how teams adjust and, and it makes a difference. I just hate I think I just hate ESPN. They ruin everything. Fair. I think that's
1: the I think that's the biggest thing that I have known. this is all ESPN. All of it I feel like you can point all of it back to like ESPN and Fox. They're it's it's all their fault. The playoff, the playoff expansion to make more money, the shortening of games for you know to fill in more TV time and continue to keep the same ad spaces and conference realignment. It all goes back to ESPN and Fox, which like that. Well, it's all and their not to fault. And ESPN the, stinks. Let's be honest. The Walker stinks.
0: situation with the NCAA. Well, that's a, the NCAA stinks too. Like they all, they're all just terrible. Like to think of a guy that I mean, again we've gotten to the point now where, and this, this can parlay into college baseball as well, because I'm sure it's happened just not as much national news. You don't have Mac Brown, you know, making comments. And when, you know, guy goes to small school D one from a, from another small school or whatever, and tries to make that leap up like a Kent state to UNC, like there's nobody with the, with the name recognition of a Mac Brown coming out and bashing the NCA. This has definitely happened in other sports. It's not like it's new. Um, but Devontae Walker started at NC Central, um, never played. Didn't COVID play. shut down this season. Yeah, and then he ended up somewhere else. Didn't play again, um, or maybe that it was from Kent NC State. Central to Kent State. Played at Kent State, so technically that was his one-time transfer. He never played at NC Central, which is an FCS program, and then he goes up to Kent State. But they which changed awesome for the rule. And then they change the rule, and then he wants to go to back home. He's a North Carolina kid. He Kent State is not exactly where North Carolina kids probably want to play ball for their whole life. So he goes to UNC as an opportunity to make himself millions of dollars and play with Drake May, and and they can't even sit down and and delegate before game one to make a decision. He's going to be eligible. There's no doubt about it. But what frustrates me is that the NCAA is working off a timeline as similar as like like it's not even urgent, right? Like, oh, we can't meet until – who who was in this meeting room? We live in 2023. You don't have – you can't meet on a Zoom and take the evidence that you have and, well, and have I, somebody I, come in and pre- – it's just – it's insane. I hate to defend them too, but I, I, I believe
1: they're understaffed and I believe that they've gotten railroaded so much that like it, it just – I
0: think the issue has become like rocket science to make this guy like it should just be like one person should be like, just let him play. What are we what are we fighting this for? We're fighting (laughs) against the world right now.
1: But I think we've gotten to a point and this does kind of tie to baseball too, because every other sport gets affected by all these decisions. Like you look at conference realignment and you know Rutgers is gonna have to travel on a Wednesday out to you know UCLA for a weekend, I, just all that, like, volley, like, the, the sports that, like, baseball will be a little bit better. I mean, it's still going to stink for them. Like, have fun landing from your charter or your non-chartered flight, your regular flight at whatever time back in Newark, New Jersey, where they'll probably fly into and then bus and go to class at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Boys, good luck. Um, and we talked about it a little bit with Colton where, like, midweeks are going to change. But, like, how about sports like volleyball and stuff? soccer it's like you play tuesday thursday saturday and it's like how do you do like tuesday night you're going across the country anyway what's happened is is college football has gotten so big and so much money is involved that like the ncaa has gotten railroaded like we need
0: to put someone in charge josh pate should be the commissioner i'm on board with that i'm good with it yeah i would be with that as well what I will say is this is something that was said on the ESPN College Game Day podcast. Because they were talking about the other sports. And soccer specifically Women was brought pods. up. No, they already run a national like schedule in soccer for whatever reason. Like If you look at Stanford's schedule, like right now, so September 2nd, they played Duke at home. So Duke went out to Stanford. Then they travel to VCU for Thursday. Then I'm sure they stay out east. They play Georgetown on Sunday. Then they fly back home but start conference play. Pretty, you know, pretty typical. That's once a year. There. That's yeah, a one but, week I mean, out of the year. Duke Duke comes out and then VC they come to East Coast to play VCU. So like apparently it's pretty like typical for a like a women's soccer program. To, but how many times a year were they doing that before the change? Yeah, I'll have to. Ch- I mean, this was without the change, right? So Stanford's not in the ACC yet. What they, no, I understand they, that. What Duke I'm saying is, is Duke and for Stanford for one like, day too. Yeah, but who else does? What's Duke's soccer schedule? I'm ch- I'm pulling it up right now to see because did they go to Stanford and then
1: they're going to USC and then they're going to Nevada?
0: I'm sure. I think it's just something that they were trying to point out of like saying like. This no, I'm not going to. Yeah. ES, of
1: course, ESPN, who's driving True. the conference realignment, is going to be like, oh, this is normal. Don't worry about it. Pete Thamel, who's getting, you know, he's just a puppet getting,
0: you know, the strings. So, pulled. no, they flew out just for the Stanford game on a Saturday. So they okay. flew out. They went and Southern California came east to Durham for Thursday. Wisconsin came south and east for a Sunday game that week. Stanford came – or Duke went west. Then they they two local games and then they start conference play. And okay. Obviously, conference play is relatively local. So, well, if, so I mean, if one, teams make one trip a year and then now they offset non-con one trip to con one trip, I guess the, it's, it'll have like to be, it's in the budget. But, it does Yeah, it.
1: but here's my point. That con one trip – like they went for one Saturday, so they didn't – like, they went out for one game. They played that one game. They came home. Now, when you're talking about if they're going to do one con trip out there, it's going to have to be a whole week, two weeks? Like, what, yeah. do you have to go play UCLA, USC? You, I, I don't know. Well, they're they're, they're going to have to figure it out, and I'm sure they will. I'm just saying it's
0: not – Yeah, in the in the baseball realm of things too, um, I read – I don't think it's normal. I read that um, they the ACC wants – To open up a – not open up. Find a facility in Dallas to um, host a tournament I guess or do like a three-game series like UNC and Stanford play in Dallas is what they've talked about doing to save that. Length of travel. So now, Um,
1: so now, so now, so basically what the ACC is saying is, is okay, we'll flip the bill for whatever complex in the hotels we use in Dallas. I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that, that's kind of their, (laughs) their thoughts in baseball wise is to, is to potentially open it up where they can play. What's funny is when you hear some of the things
1: floated around, like, you know, the pods thing. And it's like, it's almost like it's going to be two conferences. It's like you just look at the way it was before. It was like it made sense. But what happened was is the Pac-12 commissioner wanted more money from ESPN, 20 $30 million, whatever it was. ESPN said no because they were getting ready to set a record for the SEC to get their TV revenue for football. And so then the commissioner said no deal. And then they were left without a, a, a TV deal, which is how so many – I mean, you've read the system. I've read the system now. Like – that's how they these programs get a lot of their money is from the TV revenue, and so then all these schools are like, well, we're out because the Pac-12 is like, well, we're signing this huge new deal with CBS and Fox or CBS and NBC, I guess, and Fox. Or they have th- does Big Ten have three? Is it NBC, CBS, yeah, and Ten. Fox? Right. So they're getting money from three different you know companies, and and so they're like, come play in our conference, USC and UCLA, and it just it's
0: whatever. What's going to happen – this is my – I'm calling my prediction now. I'm putting it on a recorded platform. We're going to go about three to five years of the new conference realignments that we have. More teams are going to progress into a power five and it's going to become one big power five spread out throughout the country. Well, and, I and also it's going to be by it's going to be by conferences across the country. They might so have different happens? names, but you are going to have all the West Coast teams are going to stay in the. It's right. going to go back to right, right, where right we back work. in the regional, <sighs> and it's going to and it's going to be P five by itself, G five by itself, and then maybe like a couple They'll break football it into only divisions, P5s. almost like
1: AFC yeah. and NFC. <laughs>
0: like, I think it'll be more read like yeah, but it, I think it's going to be more regionalized, and then rekindle the conference championships, just kind of more in that that P five mold. Would be my. Well, and guess. I, just, I i don't think I, we're going to stay like this what, forever.
1: What happens first? That or the Mountain West dissolves and becomes the Pac-12? Well,
0: that would be just not good for for the auto bids that are not going to happen because but, I mean, Glenn right? He like, so, has already come out and said he's going to push back on any auto bids. What's
1: the? I've read something. There's a rule somewhere where uh, who's left? Uh, Oregon State and what? Washington M- State. Wazoo. So, Oregon State and Washington State can, I think they have a three year grace period. So they can just play as Pac 12 for the next three years after this year, anyway. And make it and the, the Pac 12. So, so when we, right, <laughs> one of those two teams just automatically gets into the. All right. This I mean I could do this for two hours, but it's the, It does
0: it's, it does it does pertain to college baseball, so at least we're 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 in the, it does we're in the to realm frustrating We're in the realm to think of, about. of what we of what we we need to be talking about here. Um but yeah, I mean it's not it's not ideal to say the least. But you know what is ideal, Dan? Our friends over at Routine Baseball Routine Baseball offers authentic baseball apparel such as t-shirts, shorts, hoodies, and hats. Dan's got some really good gear from Routine Baseball. I got myself a nice little travel package that they sent us with some deodorant, some body wash, and a whole little travel kit to carry my toiletries in. Their products make the perfect gift for any baseball fan. We love them. Routine Baseball is a great option for any baseball fan out there. Routine Baseball wants to give our listeners 10% off the their order. Just head over to routine.com slash backside ground ball to receive 10% off your order. That's routine.com slash backside ground balls to backside ground ball, no S to receive 10% off your order. So Dan, we're gonna do a little standings check here. We're gonna get caught up. We're gonna do it together. We're gonna we're gonna talk ourselves through the standings. Um, as it stands right now, our first place teams in the American League are the Baltimore Orioles, sitting two and a half games up on the Tampa Bay Rays. The Minnesota Twins are starting to pull away from the Cleveland Guardians with a five game lead. They've been playing pretty good baseball recently. Surprise, surprise, Dan. I know you just woke up out of your coma. Here's the your Seattle Mariners, who you, at the preseason you said was a team to watch this year. They didn't exactly go into the all-star break playing great baseball. They've gotten hot over the stretch. They have a one-game lead over both Texas and Houston in the AL West. They got, got hot for a stretch there. Julio Rodriguez is pushing his name in MVP caliber talk, and they are now in first place. For the wild card in the American League, we have Tampa Bay has a six-and-a-half game lead on both Texas and Houston. Toronto sits a game-and-a-half back, and then in the realm of things that are probably not going to happen, Boston's five-and-a-half back, and then we get to the New York Yankees, who have played good baseball recently with the Young Bucks that I definitely want to talk about, but doesn't seem like they're going to be in a playoff spot. For the National League, has been, has been the – Since pretty much the first day of the season, since opening day, Atlanta has a huge lead on the Philadelphia Phillies with a 15 game lead. Sitting at 90 and 46. They're 8 and 2 in their last 10. They just went and won a series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're playing great baseball. Milwaukee Brewers, my sleeper World Series team at the beginning of the year. Freddie Peralta has been the best pitcher in baseball since the All-Star break. They are sitting three and a half games up on the Chicago Cubs. Brandon Woodruff's healthy. Corbin Burns has been the ace that everybody knows him to be. The Los Angeles Dodgers have also been playing great baseball as of late. They're sitting at 84-52 and 52 with a 14-and-a-half game lead on Arizona. Remember the day Arizona was sitting there in first place, um, and we were talking about are they going to be able to hold off the Dodgers Man, did that turn quick. And then it, the San Diego Padres are six games away from being eliminated. So I don't know if anybody, even myself included, is still holding on hope for that one. The wild card spot, the Phillies have a five-and-a-half game lead on in the wild card with the Chicago Cubs also having a three-game lead. Arizona, Miami, and San Fran are and Cincinnati are all tied. For that last wild card spot, there's going to be a lot of mayhem. The San Diego Padres are sitting five and a half back, and then the rest of the teams are not in contention at this point in time. So, Dan, we went through a lot. We have both leagues that we just went through the standings. What are your initial thoughts coming out of this long slumber that you've had and you haven't even known anything, you just woke up from your coma? What kind of catches you the most off guard?
1: Well, I think what Seattle has done – Really, I mean, they got off to such a a, a bad start. And I had I there was a lot of high expectations there. I thought they had made some good moves in the offseason. They all were not panning out. Um, but the, the pitching staff through even those bad stretches. Really, it was an offensive problem. Julio Rodriguez didn't look like the player he was when he won Rookie of the Year last year. People thought he was going to be an MVP candidate. I think he was one of the short favorites in the AL to win the MVP um, in Vegas before the season started. Tasker Hernandez was struggling there. I mean, it just nothing looked right in Seattle, especially offensively. But that, you know, Castillo and Gilbert and Kirby, um, Robbie Ray goes down early. But all those guys in that pitching staff kind of held the fort down. And then the offense woke up and they've been one of the best teams in baseball really since June. And they, you know, went on a, a heater in August along with Julio Rodriguez, who woke up Um and, you know, he was the AL player of the month. He had that one four-game stretch. Was it three-game stretch, four-game stretch, where he had 16 hits?
0: Yeah, four-game four game stretch, stretch,
1: 16 stretch. It was 16, 16 17, 17 hits. hits. It was, like, incredible. And, and here they are in first place. You know, I, it, I think we had talked – last time we had talked about the stains. we had talked about can Seattle, you know, get into the wild card? Can they push for it? Now they're in first place. You know, the Rangers have really cooled off. They've gone ice cold. Injuries have been a huge problem in Texas, especially on the mound. They made all those big moves at the deadline, getting Scherzer, getting Montgomery. And they've kind of fallen off here and have really struggled of late. Houston has never really hit their stride that we're used to seeing, right? The years past, we've talked about, you know, it's been the Braves, the Dodgers, the Astros. They've all had, they've all run away from everyone else. The Astros are sitting there and they just got swept by a Yankees team who really isn't playing for anything um, at home which is the first time the Yankees have swept the Astros since 2013. So it's just the the West is interesting, and and we're a long way from it. Any of those three teams, I mean, the Rangers, Mariners are in first, but the Rangers and Astros are only a game out. Um, It's going to come down to, you know, can Texas get healthy and get right? Can that Astros pitching staff? We've seen Frambert just kind of have a lot of blowups recently. Um, Christian Javier has kind of been up and down. Um, Verlander's been so-so since they got him at the deadline. He was really good. He's had a couple rough ones in a row. It's it, that's going to be that's probably the most fun race we're going to see. I mean, Tampa and Baltimore's a really fun one to keep your eye on as well because I know you know Tampa's only two and a half back here, but you got three teams all within a game in the West. It's going to be that's going to be really exciting to see because you know Baltimore and Tampa are both getting in the playoffs, whether it's wild card or division winner. You know, with Toronto lingering, one of those three teams could lose the division and then lose out on the playoffs in the West.
0: Yeah, very easily. If Toronto plays really good baseball in the month of September, we could be sitting there talking about how in Houston Astros team, who's been to like 15 straight ALCS, as it feels like is out of the playoffs or even the Texas Rangers team, who's sitting there in a pretty good position, at least run differential wise for and, a lot of the year. Yeah. And they, they were definitely in there, but my, my kind of head goes to the, the NL wild card, really. Um, I'm not very impressed with any of the teams that sit in position for that. Uh, last wild card spot. We have the Young Bucks in Cincinnati. They just made another aggressive move, calling up Connor Phillips, who's been great this year. You know, obviously we've spoken our bit on Miami. San Fran just not impressed with that roster. Gabe Kapler does as good of a job as anybody. We're still sitting there wondering if San Diego can squeak in at five and a half out. They have a sixty-two run differential. That kind of surprised me. It's the top run differential of a team that's actually fighting for these spots. Everybody else is is under. Um well under zero except for the San Francisco Giants. So it'll be interesting. Obviously Arizona's young. They they can hold on. They got arguably the best pitcher in the in the NL at this point in time, probably your NL Cy Young Award winner if the season ended today and Zach Allen. That'll be an interesting one. I don't think any of those teams, including Chicago, has a chance to push the top four. Um, Quite frankly, I don't think any team that's fighting for these spots are talented enough. Again, as we've said from day one, the only team that's probably talented enough outside of the top four that we've talked about all year um, is the San Diego Padres, and they just can't win baseball games. Uh, so that'll be kind of where my head's at. Interested to be? I mean, the NL race again. I think it's a a four team race. I think all four of those teams can legitimately win a World Series. In the Braves, the Dodgers, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. Philadelphia is probably playing the best baseball of the bunch right now. Um, and even though Atlanta's sitting at eight and two in their last ten, so and Ronald Acuna is starting to to really. Push for that that MVP, so that'll be that'll be kind of the one I'm following for the rest of the way. It's going to be fun to see who gets in, even though I don't think they're going to make make too big of a playoff push there.
1: Yeah, I just I I'm closing the book on the Padres. I know that that you might not want to, but for me, like I understand that they have the best roster. But it's September fourth, and we're still talking about them being five and a half out. If listen, if there were, if it was the Cubs, Phillies, Diamondbacks and then San Diego was five and a half back, and they were the first team out at five and a half. Yes, they have to chase down one team. They have to chase down – they're five and a half back of four teams. The odds of all four of them – now, again, like you said, I'm not in love with any of those rosters. But they've yeah, been better than the Padres for six months. For full, I like do like this just every chances, time we talk
0: about this. I know, but
1: the chances of all four of those teams cratering, and letting the Padres be six games better than all four of them is so slim. We haven't seen it. I, I don't think we've seen it done. Not to mention <clears throat> Cincinnati plays in the division in September, although the balanced schedule, September is still a lot of division games. You look at Cincinnati, that division outside of the Cubs and Brewers, like if you're playing the Pirates and the Cardinals, there's a winnable games for Cincinnati. I haven't looked at the schedules of these other teams, but it, I, I just, it's an, it's so it's so improbable for that to happen. I'm closing the book on them, but, yeah, the other four teams I'm not in love with. I mean, Miami sweeps Washington in four games, which Washington have been playing better ball, but Washington's still not a good baseball team. So, although this weekend they got themselves back into the conversation, I, I don't expect Miami to be there. To me, it's Cincinnati, Arizona, or San Francisco, and it's like close your eyes, look away, and pick one. Like,
0: yeah, I think. I, yeah, I don't know. I think. The only thing that the, to die it back to to San Diego is one. I already can I can picture it now. It's straight up college baseball. You have like a, a a fringe starter guy telling everybody, "Wake up, wake up!" Every time they start slow, you know, just trying to fire the boys up. Um, guy that doesn't play every day, you know. But they seem like they're waking up a little bit right now. They've they've gained three games on San Fran over their last three. So they were sitting at eight and a half back from San Fran alone. San Fran's dropped three. San Diego's one three. I can't imagine they're going to win four in a row. They haven't done it all season. They've they crumbled the every time the to town. Again, right now, it's, it's I mean, three it's... steps forward, four steps back. Every single time we've seen this so many times. I feel like every time we record, they have a big win, and then they take four steps backwards. And you are like, right. what is this team doing? Why can't they win ball games? It's just not working. Um, Dan, one of my other questions that I want to bridge to you as we as we talk about how this season's going to wrap up is. My question is, one, do you think Shohei hits for the whole rest of the season? Just answer that quick. Yes. Yes. Okay. My question comes into play here. What do these two names have to do to push Shohei Otani for the MVP? We have Corey Seager, who in 93 games, so he'd get up to probably about 110 to 120 max. I mean, if that. Um, He'd have to play 17 games the rest of the way. Currently sitting at 341, 405, 643 with a 1.047 OPS. And he has 26 home runs in those 93 games. And then you have on the other side in 83 games. This is, I mean, I'm super impressed with what this dude continues to do and, and impressive. Aaron Judge has 31 homers. 31 homers in 83 games. He could push 40 in a year that he plays 100 and, 105, 40 homers in 105 games. He realistically can get there. He's hitting 261, 388, 619, 1.006. He's pretty close to, to what he did last year. He had a one point, well, he's about 100 points off from his OPS last year. So not as historic as last season was. Obviously, he played a full season. Those guys are going to be in a shorter window, but we also have the baggage of knowing that Shohei is just a DH for basically two months at the end of the year. What could, if, if Corey Seegers finishes with three fifty, four fifty, six fifty, one 450, 650, one point, you know, 1.1 OPS, 110 games, he's a 6.1 war player. Is there a chance, or do you think it's just, it just put it in the books already?
1: I'm going to start with, with Judge. Um, And I want to preface it by saying I don't necessarily agree with this line of thinking, but this is how I think the voters would treat it because it's almost hypocritical or, or opposite of what you would say MVP, most valuable player. And a couple of weeks ago, I got into an argument with someone about Cody Bellinger, not being an MVP, like, like, sorry, there's just too many guys in front of Bellinger. He's had a great year. Yeah, There's just too many. And you know, the argument back was, yeah, but he's the most valuable to the team. That's the award. Well, that's, Sure, but that's not how it's voted. I hate that argument. I I know, but that's because that's what I'm about to say about Judge. Judge just – and him being out is really what started the kind of crater of this season. And if he played all year, maybe they'd be in a better – in a playoff spot, in a better position. But he hasn't. And because of how just kind of – because of the fact that it's the Yankees, how kind of catastrophic this season has seemed from the outside perspective and from the media perspective, the people who vote on this, I don't think there's anything Judge can do. I think it's very smart of you to highlight the fact that it's ridiculous that he has, it, it's, yeah. it's for him to have 31 it's homers, we didn't play for like two it's months is,
0: is bizarre. Like I, I I'm, said sweating. It, I'm sweating. I'm sweating that under 44 and a half. Then. Yeah. And I I'm thought it, which it. is crazy. And I thought <laughs> it yesterday, three games. I thought it yesterday when I saw
1: that he had 31, I go, would he have had 65 this year? If he had played the whole season, like, Probably. He's, that, he's that good, and if he was healthy, there would be a conversation. for It would be a yeah. tighter race. Oh, base.
0: he would probably be running away with it, I think, personally. And I, I don't think
1: know. where it becomes kind of hypocritical here is that because of what's happened to the Angels and yeah. because he's not pitching, the door is absolutely open for someone else to kick it down and take it from him. I like the fact that you're talking about Seeger, because, for me, he's a guy I go to. What does he need to do? Because of the injuries, like he needs to have a Mookie Betts August. In September, So what Mookie Betts just did, which was kind of bizarre Bonkers. and vaulted him to kind of now it's a two man race in the NL with between him and Acuna and kind of shut out his own teammate, Freddie Freeman, from the race, I think. But like he needs to do that and they need to win the division. I think that's the only way that you'll get more. You know, it'll be a late push for him to kind of. You know, every, the buzz will really pick up. If in, if two weeks from now, if they go on a heater here, he stays healthy. He's having a bonkers couple first couple weeks of September. You'll start to hear the buzz of him pushing Shohei, especially if the Angels continue to just, you know, flounder in misery. Um, And Shohei's, you know, Shohei hasn't homered in two. He's got a, a OPS over a thousand, but he hasn't homered in, I think, yeah. two weeks, three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. So Seager could definitely push him. I think that he's the guy, like you said, it's going to be very tough. But I yeah. think that I don't think Judge has a chance. I'm happy you spotlighted him, but I think Seager is yeah. the guy to push him in. And he just he's gotta stay healthy. He's gotta have an unbelievable September. And I think they're gonna have to win the division, which is I mean they're game out. So that's Yeah, that's
0: it's and, very and that's doable. why I brought it up and, and it was it really when I initially thought of it, it was gonna be a one person conversation with Shohei. But I wanted to highlight the fact of what Aaron Judge has done because I was sitting there the other day, you know, and and was like Did he really just hit his 31st? I was like, how many games has he played? And it's 83. It's like, what? Like, that is unfathomable to think about of a guy who over the last, I mean, do the quick math in the head, 230 games has hit 63 home or 93 home runs in 230 games. Think about that. He he has, like, guys don't get to 100 in a career that play 10 years. It's crazy. He's almost 200. hit one hundred. He's going to hit one hundred in, in like in two seasons. That he was in, hurt in one of them. In in how many games? Two hundred and sixty games. Yeah, unreal. So I wanted to highlight him. And I and have give a quick question due. for you, though, because I
1: went on, mm-hmm. on this same note. This is just humor me because it's for my. I may be holding a ticket. Um, it was a long shot ticket, but we take him at the beginning of the year. If the Rays win the East, and for some reason Yandy Diaz hits twelve homers in the month of September. <laughs> And hit all his other numbers keep up. Does he have an argument? That would put him, just for so people listening, he would be at 30 homers. He's already OPSing 900 right now. He's hitting 322 with 398 on base, a 500 slug. If he goes crazy, now this would have to be an MVP level September. Well, again, like if he has a Mookie Betts
0: type September, is he a top three finisher? I think he's a top three finisher. I think he might be a top three finisher as it stands right now. I think he would it, if if all things were created equal and it wasn't going to go to Shohei, I'd have a hard time imagining Corey Seager isn't the guy. Right. Right. Like whatever he could hit two twenty through the month of September, as long as he gets to thirty home runs and you know he's a six WAR player right now up to this point. You assume that's going to go up to probably in the season around seven and a half, eight wins. Let's just say Shohei, again, remember what we talked about when Shohei initially got hurt. This was a Boris move. Like, let's just say Shohei keeps not hitting home runs and they're just like, hey, you've showed you're healthy. You showed you can hit. Let's shut it down for the year. I think Shohei's going to want to push 50 bombs for a year, which would be really cool. I don't yeah. see it happening at the end of the day. It was just something that I remember us talking about it, like at the All Star break and being like, can like Corey Seeger push him? And yeah. it, it was over. And you know for Corey Seager's MVP chances what needed to happen happened Shohei obviously had the injury Corey Seager's been arguably the best hitter in baseball outside of Shohei because that's the thing that makes it different is Shohei literally has the best numbers as a hitter Right, as it right. stands right now, alone. That's not factoring in the fact... I know he's a DH, and, but that's not factoring in the fact that he also pitched at a at a relatively high level for those stretches of time. But again, it's the playoff argument. I think Seager's going to get some first-place votes because there are some, some old people that think that playoffs matter and, and being in playoff contention matters. But... I think it's going to be Shohei's at the end of the day. I just found it interesting, but you brought it up. So let's talk about it a little bit. Um, the other end of the MVP vote. It's funny that I'm sure everybody in the baseball world is sitting there talking about the NL MVP. And we insisted on talking about the AL MVP because we love Corey Seager. And, and we might've threw some money out there at the beginning of the year on a Corey Seager MVP bet um, that we're, we're kind of still sitting there holding out for, which we look smart for if he would have played 150 games, but you mentioned the month of August for Mookie Betts, and obviously that has vaulted him into a phenomenal position to really push this um, the MVP vote. For anybody who's who's wondering what Mookie Betts did in the month of August, four fifty five. Yes, batting average. That's his batting average. He hit four fifty-five in 28 games in the month of August, a five sixteen OBP, an eight thirty nine slugging percentage with a 1.355 OPS with 11 homers, 10 doubles. Again, we spent – and the funny thing is it's like we spent the beginning of the year – obviously, maybe we didn't, but other people did – um, giving so much credit to Luis Arias for what he was able to do in an average department. When, Elise, when Luis Arias, not to mention that this is the best 50-game stretch, he hit, above, he hit 4.05 in a 50-game stretch from July to August. So this has been a stretch that's just been beyond just the month of August. So that's the highest it's been in any 50-game stretch. He did it with power too. He hit 11 home runs in that month while hitting 455. He hit 10 doubles in that month while hitting 455. That is unbelievable to do. Like, we talk about Freddie Freeman being this. Like, that is next level. That's one of the best months, at least from my opinion, we will ever see on a baseball field to hit 455 with power. That is literally like stud D3 baseball player, like just going hot for a year. Like, that's what that is. Like, it's cheat code level stuff. And this dude's doing it in the big leagues and everything like that, which we're going to, Dan and I have talked about this. We're going to do an episode where we dive in on what what he's done um, with the bat speed training, heading up to driveline and stuff like that, being able to maximize his power potential from that frame. He's sitting at a 17 or not 17, 7.9 B war. Ronald Acuna has been the guy from day one this season, right? He's been a guy who's, he's running at will. Sure. He's been caught stealing a couple times, 11 times, which I believe is the tide for the most in his career Um, leads the league. Obviously, if you're going to be aggressive, there's something that comes with that sitting right now he's the first player in MLB history to go 30-60, 32 bombs, 63 homers. He's hitting 355 63 steals, 63 steals. He's hitting 355, which is about 30 or 20 points higher than Mookie Betts who's hitting 316, 416 OBP, 578 slug, 994 OPS. I mean, it ends today. Who's your guy?
1: I don't know. This is probably yeah. the most torn I've ever been on uh, at, on the boat. I mean, the 63 steals and 30 homers is, is incredibly impressive. But, again, what Mookie Betts is doing, uh, and he's had help from – I mean, both lineups are really good, so it's hard to say, like, well, he's more important to his team than the other guy too because, I mean, obviously we all know what the Braves lineup's doing. Freddie Freeman, who up until probably August was ahead of Betts in the MVP because he's having a bonkers year too. And, you know, Betts has the, has a little bit more of an OPS, a better OPS plus, more homers. But then you look at Acuna and, like, he's got the higher average. He's got the steals. He has more hits. I, I don't know. It's Honestly, yeah. I would not. If you gave the award to – it's going to be funny because one of these two guys is going to win the award. And assuming they stay as tight as it is now, there's going to be people outraged on social media mm-hmm. and in the media and fans. And it's going to be like, well – I to personally, you could give it to either guy and I would not blink. I'd be like, yeah, that sucks no. for whoever didn't get it, but that guy had that year when he had that year. Um, yep. It's going to be fascinating because both, as far as baseball markets go, both are in big, you know, like LA obviously is just a huge market in general. Atlanta's baseball market, like that, that's a big market. So they're both stars. They're both, it's not like, you know, Acuna plays for the Pirates or, you know, Tampa or one of these really small markets where, like Betts would win it just based on the fact that he's a Dodger. Like it, both teams, I mean, you look at the record, that series they just got done that the Braves took two or three was incredible. Both guys were awesome in that series. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't have a choice. I don't know who I would vote for. I would have a really yeah, tough so time voting
0: today. <laughs> Stat-wise, I think it's bets. Just, again, I mean, 40 pumps, like – phenomenal he's hitting 316 he has a better ops um and it's not like he's like he's actually lower on obp so like he's slugging when he needs to be slugging but this is the same or and and war wise he's about a a 1.5 ahead of ronnie acuna and they play the same position so you know mookie's played second he's played short which is just i mean this dude is a mutant like he is literally a mutant Mm -hmm. this is the conversation we had last year right when we were talking about the al mvp it's very hard not to give the mvp award to somebody who does something historic. Right. It's the first ever to go 30-60, Right. It's very hard to not acknowledge that and give him the award because it's literally the like if you're the like people have done what mookie betts has done. I mean, Trout has done it, Harper's done it. Like these guys have all done, you know, 40 homers, 330, you know, with power. Right. Nobody's done what Ronnie's done. No, I will say on the other end of that, there's new rules. There's massive That's true. New rules. There's true. So is it as impressive is what Ronald Acuna is doing as impressive as what Ricky Henderson did? I I don't believe so. Catchers are probably better than they've ever been. Everything like that, velo's up, so it's a lot, it's short window to steal. And again, when you're chasing a number, you steal at will. You get thrown out 11 times. Those are actually negative in terms of your team, and I'm sure they're negative in terms of like wins above replacement and, and tracking the base running things. But at the end of the day, it's very hard for me to swallow not acknowledging somebody who does something just historic. I mean, thirty sixty is like... I mean, Mookie Betts went 30-30, and I remember the days where it was very, like, 2020 was, like, impressive. Big again, game, steals yeah. are already. this year, the rules. Deal. Yeah, 30-30 is a huge deal. This dude's going 30-60, and again, how did the rules factor into that? Huge. I mean, I, I don't know. In a couple of years, we might not think that highly of 30-60 because we see how the rules impacted it. But everything's so new. He just broke – he's breaking records. He's, you know, arguably the best player in the National League. He's arguably the best player on the best team in the National League. I find it hard to believe somebody can do something historic and lose the award. But if my I had the vote, I'm probably leaning bets off of what I know because of the things. But again, I, I completely understand how somebody breaks a breaks records and it's like, how can you not? It, yeah, I mean, it's so
1: tight that again, how can you not? Like, like that's what I'm saying. If, if you told me if Acuna wins the award, Fine. If Bets wins the award, fine. Like I, I don't think again. And there's going to be people on the opposite spectrum who are outraged. You know, there's a there's a couple of brave uh, X machine pages that are always on my timeline. That like they will be, they will be beside themselves, and that's okay. Um, it, it, it's that. And like, neither guy, like you go to like, pick a stat to go to like, okay, well, what's their separation here? Well, they're both pretty much at one-to-one walk to strikeout. Acuna is a little bit better. Yeah, it's crazy. Neither like guys are punching out a ton. They're both walking. Like, it's like, I,
0: I think the biggest thing is war, like wins the, above replacement is the biggest yeah, difference again, where you're just dude, like,
1: Oop. and that's where probably that's the biggest difference. You're right. That's its stolen yeah. basis for Acuna and war for, yes, true for yeah. vets. Like I, And that's probably what it'll come down to. I think you're right. I think Betts gets it based on that because I know in the past that, you know, Mike Trout won a couple MVPs based on war. Is war a perfect stat? None of them are. Like they all have to be taken into account, right? And that's the thing that, like, it's, you can't pick, you can't cherry pick one thing and make your case. Like it has to be the whole picture. And that's what makes this so hard. Like it's, I don't know, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with What's you.
1: What's their F but war? I don't even. I never. I do uh, f know. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I I just pull up Baseball Reference and and go from there. Yeah. But I will say, Mike Trout lost the MVP when Miggy went Triple, triple crown. crown. Like it's there still is that level of maybe, right? You know what I'm saying? Like maybe there's a there's a I, I don't know. I I would. I'd be shocked either either way. Like, you could get me on here the day after the MVP votes come out and and we we realize who wins, and I could be like, wow, I'm shocked Betts didn't win. Because I'll pull up the stat line and I'm like, you're telling me we're gonna look back in history and this guy didn't win the MVP? Like, that's an unreal year. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like pulling up Todd Helton's stat page. I being like, this dude never won an MVP. Like, he was a great player for a very long time. And the same thing. It's like if Betts wins, I, I could sit there and be like, how do you not give the award to somebody who could could go 40-70? He can go 40-70 for all we know, right? If he gets a, if he hits a couple homers, he had a ball 121 plus for a homer the other day in LA like Ball's and, and I could I could like I probably will sit here and and I mean as long as maybe we would be doing better as a podcast if we got on here and yelled at each other a little bit more, um and disagreed, but like I'm going to see both sides of that argument no matter who wins the award. Like yes. you could, you could convince me that Matt Olson could win the MVP. I mean, he's he's going to end the year with like 150 RBI. And Freddie like, Freeman, you, know you could talk about yeah, Freddie, like Freddie Freeman and be like, yeah, Freddie, 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 Freddie Freeman Freeman's the the MVP. Title. Like you know, like it win the batting title with 50 doubles, like Maybe unreal. That so these many four people dudes are on two
1: split, teams. they won't put a vote in, and Bellinger does end up winning it because all the Chicago
0: media just votes for Bellinger. I I mean, they should just give out a group group MVP award, like all, everybody is <laughs> you for her
1: as we wrap up here. So the argument then shifted from Cody Bellinger being the MVP to Cody Bellinger
0: is a generational talent. Where do you land on that one? I've been thinking about this for a little bit. Cody Bellinger is going to get signed for seven years and it's going to go uh, for, by, down as one no, of the worst contracts ever. Okay.
1: You wouldn't call him a generational talent now, would you? Cause my only response retort to, cause I, i I tried to get a definition in this argument of what a general talent is. Generational talent is. The person I was arguing with does not like to do that. They just continue to move the goalposts. That's their argumentative um, strategy. I said, then, okay, Cody Bellinger can be a generational talent, but then so is Christian
0: Yelich. Yes. <laughs> I that's mean, a, that's a fact.
1: <laughs> if if, you're if not, Bellinger's you're, a generational you're, talent, then so is Yelich. I don't a, think I, I would refer to either one of them as that, but. This person also hates Mike Trout.
0: So, As I said, Cody Ballender, there's going to be 20 it's teams be like, in it's the, gonna the league. It's going to be like
1: bias. It's going to be there, just yeah. like bias.
0: I don't even know like bias. Yeah, maybe like bias. But there's going to be 20 teams in the league that won't even sniff the contract that he's probably going to get. would 100%. Or, that fan, or, or maybe he's going to get less than because again – yeah, or something, and people are going to be like, how did he get that much or whatever? But I guarantee there are teams out there that evaluate the game a certain way, and we don't have to get into it because this created a whole stir when, when the Yankees had this problem. But when you factor in what is lucky and what is not, and and Cody Bellinger worked hard this offseason. He obviously made really good adjustments. His strikeouts are down. He's having that that type of year. He's having a great but year. I would – I would be absolutely shocked if he plays out his contract, and by the end of year one, maybe two, we're not saying I can't believe this team is paying him twenty-five million dollars, thirty million dollars. I don't know what he's going to make. I don't know what he's going to make on the open market. I don't know if a team's going to be over aggressive, but I guarantee there's teams out there that. Or would be willing to spend that will not be willing to spend on a player like Cody Ballander with what we have as evidence from this year in terms of, I mean, you're talking about again, a guy that expected Woba and Woba is like a 70 point difference. Like I'm, and again, I'm not trying to sit here and, and downgrade what he's been, but like, is there a factor of luck in, in this game of baseball? We've talked about it for years. We've, we've talked about it every episode we get on here. Cody Ballinger's been been lucky to be as good as he's been this year. That doesn't downgrade what he's done, but I, I would not sign him to any more than a I I'd be giving him a show me deal. You know, like if I was an another one, he, he's on yeah, another show one. Me, like, yeah, exactly. Who's, and like who's that, who I'm it? not ending up with him. I think he stays in Chicago. I do. Would too. be my guess. I think yeah. the the fan base is going to want him. I think that management's going to, you know, maybe he is comfortable in Chicago. Maybe, you know, maybe there are elements of that. But I mean, you're talking about a guy right now who's
1: his batting average. Is, and expected batting average is about a sixty point difference.
0: Yeah, he's three twenty
1: is – MVP gear, what did he do? He didn't swing and miss it much, but he swung out of the zone nonstop. Yeah. Bellinger's I mean, even, chase rate even... is not pretty and <sighs> his whiff percentage is good. He's making contact on pitches. It's just, I mean, you talked about it with Trey Turner. Why, you know, it's hard to continuously be a bad ball hitter. Now, Turner's turned it up, but it's interesting. It's yeah. fascinating. I think Bellinger's having a great well, year. I've liked Bellinger. I think, I think he like is Bellinger. too. His.
0: It's just his his strikeout percentage is down twelve percent but his his hard hit percentage is down eight percent from his horrible year last year like he's hitting the ball you know not right. as hard as he did in a year where we all thought this dude was you know he's 26 he's still got chin now the only thing that I'll give him I will give him is and I said this at the beginning of the year when I believed like when people were asking me like do you believe in this do you believe in this is there's an element of confidence and contagiousness yes. that comes with hitting where like once he saw himself start to see Knox compared to the last couple years that he's had in L.A., his confidence grew. For he sure. got more confident in the box and next thing you know, he's raking. We've all been there. We've all been on heaters like that. You're just like, I'm, con- like I- I can't- I'm-, I'm immune to getting out, right? Like you just have those years where you're just really good, really good stretch. He's having that and as he gets more comfortable, right, he has a really good sweet – Sweet spots percentage. He doesn't swing and miss much. I'm sure it looks like from his his spray chart. He gets to the pool side well, which we've talked about. Expected woba does not factoring in direction. Right. Which, if anybody wants, if we have any nerds nerds out there that want to find a way to come up with a degree of batted ball and then factor that into to savant. I'm your guy. I'm already thinking about how we want to do it. Um, but um, if we want to build that into expected sets, which I think we should, because we talk about it with the Astros. What do they do? They outperform expected wobo through and through for one reason. They pull the baseball. Chas McCormick, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, even Kyle Tucker, they all pull the baseball. They know how to get there. If you're big part center field, your power doesn't play as well. Um, so that's something that Bellinger's doing well. He's pulling the baseball. He's pulling it in the air. He's hitting it flush. Power comes from that. Do I think it's sustainable? You better hope you can keep pulling the baseball the way he's been pulling it this year, because it ain't pretty in in the underlying details. So, any closing thoughts there? Yeah, we've gone
1: over the hour mark. I wish we could have those five minutes on weather back. <laughs> Hand yeah. up, that's on us.
0: I started that. <laughs> yeah, got once we gotten. Once we got into nerd baseball talk, we realized, wow, we really do miss this. Um, <laughs> and we, we enjoy we enjoyed doing this at times. So, um, but that was a fun episode. We're, we're working on getting some more fun episodes as we move forward. But thank you to our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts, as well as YouTube. We post episodes every Monday, roughly Thursday, always hitting your feet at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. Most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside BacksideGroundBalls podcast.